to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you clear. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, no, no. It's, it's not enough that you feel perfect. And he has put all things under his side, under his side, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout it under my Thank you oh Lord because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and even as we get into it we ask open our hearts that we may see what you desire for us to see because it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we have prayed in faith as every child of God present say amen I'm just going to um read a scripture and then talk 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 you know a lot of things of the spirit you have to be taught because uh, there are things that are going to be at your disposal a lot of christians struggle uh there could be a lot of things at your disposal but if you're not taught there would still be a struggle there are a number of things i struggled with in life until i was taught the word of god so you have to be taught the word of god then your spirit and heart begins to open to maturity by practice but first there has to be a teaching that's that, that 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 that's very very important okay that's why the bible says grace and truth be multiplied to you through the knowledge of god and our savior jesus christ there are certain levels of grace you cannot access until you are taught the bible says teach us some 90 teach us to number our days that we may obtain a heart of wisdom if you want to number your days properly you have to be taught otherwise you may waste your days you may think you're doing the right things but to number your days and to exercise your heart and wisdom is something that you must be taught so you must be taught a number of things so that you make the most the bible says i has not seen first corinthians chapter number 2 ear has not heard neither has it entered the heart of man what god has for those who love him and then he says you know but we have not received the spirit of the world but we have received the spirit of god that we may that we may know those things that we have freely received so our knowledge of the things that we have really received that we have freely received is important for our walking in those things but then how we get to know those things is through being taught the word of god in various means that god makes available that's why he said in jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15 i will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and wisdom there are certain things i never knew about walking in my deliverance until i was taught the word of god until someone made me see where i am in christ jesus there are certain things i never knew 
you know, about so many things until someone taught me. Then when I was taught, I was able to harness and make the most of what God is doing in my life. Because you see, these are spiritual things. One of our disadvantages is that we are human beings. And as human beings, we are partly human. I mean, we are, we are, we are, we are part flesh, but we are also partly spirit. But then our longest experiences is that we are more exposed to things that happen in the flesh. We are more exposed to our exams. We are more exposed to statements by people that we can see. We are more exposed to the food that we are eat. We are more exposed to the systems of education and the systems of health, the systems of the entertainment of this world. So you find that our flesh is more developed sometimes than our spirit. And for our spirit to be developed, we have to be taught. We must be taught. Okay, It's very, very important. Somebody say, I must be taught. It's a prerequisite. You must be taught the word of God. And so one of the things I want to teach you quickly today is this thing here in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5. And I'm going to read from, let's see, maybe verse 10. The Bible says, okay, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, which is not what I want to talk about. Then he says, um, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your conscience. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we love, then he says, for the love of Christ compels us. Okay, this is now important. The love of Christ compels us because we judged us that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, now this is important. It's the part I want you to see. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. So I'm, I'm naming this short sharing I'm sharing with you. We re regarding no man after the flesh. I'm going to explain what that means. It says, therefore, from now on, we regard no man or no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. I'll read that again. It says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. That's important. He says, we regard no man after the flesh. Let me try to explain that using the Amplified Classic. Then I'll read the other scriptures. It says, consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one purely from a human point of view. Even though we once esteem, estimate, or once did estimate Christ from a human point of view. All right? I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, so then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him limited with human side. I'm going to read that again. It says, so then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. Hmm. 
this is the next level um this is the next level discernment that god wants you individually to reach he says therefore we regard no man after the flesh he's trying to show that that's a disadvantage in the book of uh, john chapter number seven you know the bible teaches that the flesh profits nothing it says we regard no man after the flesh in other words, it's trying to show that it's a disadvantage because he says, for thus we esteemed Christ. In other words, at one point, we also looked at Christ after the flesh. Who was Christ after the flesh? After the flesh, Christ was just a man who brought a sect. After the flesh, Christ was a man in John chapter number six who got his disciples and he said, and not just his disciples, he got everyone around him and he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood imagine you're following a man because a few days ago a day ago he fed you with food you know he multiplied bread then the following day he says you're only here because you ate i'm going to give you different kind of bread now you eat my flesh and drink my blood if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood you don't have life in you you're going to hell you want to vomit the one that you ate yesterday because you now realize it was satanic food. <laughs> the one he multiplied. No wonder you hear people say, no wonder me had a feeling that, that food he was multiplying, there was something off about him. No one has ever multiplied bread before. Not even Jeremiah did. You see? Why? Because you are esteeming him after the flesh. No wonder Paul was offended at Jesus because he esteemed him after the flesh. And every time you esteem an individual after the flesh, you may lose their purpose for God, but you may also lose their purpose from the enemy. You may also lose their purpose from the flesh. And you know, this is something that came today earlier because I was counsel I was with counsel from um, a very a very big uh, parastatal company that there's this matter we're working on so she's this lady that um i saved her line but when i saved her line she started following my statuses then she said you you know you are a pastor and i said yes i've been seen from your statuses where's your church located then i i realized that the reason why because earlier on god began inspiring me and what god began to tell me is Every time you meet a lawyer or any person, don't hide your identity. Save their line. Let them see what you post on your social media. Because God wants to bring many people that he wants to use into his kingdom. And so, I am very well aware of my purpose in people's lives. Now, it's up to them not to esteem me after the flesh. Because I may just be a colleague to them. But the real reason I'm meeting them is beyond being just a colleague counsel from the other side or co-counsel, depending on the matter we're working with. I have been set up by God in their path so that they may meet their salvation. Therefore, because God was teaching me not to esteem every man after the flesh, because if I do, I may lose my purpose for them. I don't meet people by accident. You know, 
my car had a breakdown uh not really a breakdown it was being fixed for something the mechanics couldn't finish fixing it and so today uh, i took a taxi then i was supposed to meet a certain client at munali so i was waiting there and i just knew where to stand then when i met there I, when i stood there a certain girl came and said you know i've been meaning to contact you because one month ago i was praying to god and i said can i meet this man because i need to go to his church esteem no man after the flesh when you do that you get to always move in god's divine planning because you know that you don't meet people by accident timiti miti even that very meeting which seemed like it was uncomfortable god was meaning it for his good you are not just a man after the flesh and even some bad places you may find yourself in terms of satan meant them for your evil god is going to turn them for your good why because you are not a man after the flesh like dikon dikon joe gave a testimony of how one time some bad things happened to him very bad things they arrested him because of you know some traffic offense but when he was sent to prison he found people were supposed to beat him but because he's not a man after the flesh god used that same opportunity to lead those inmates to christ esteem no man after the flesh that includes number 1 you but number 2 it helps you discern the purposes of people in your life i was telling my colleague today and he was just like wow so just like that you know that that woman knows you are a pastor then i said i said to him you know because it's not necessarily come to hope then i told him when god brings a man like me who is spiritual into your life you must ask a question did this man just come so that i can be his colleague or did god bring this man into my life esteem no man just after the flesh can you, you can imagine there's a guy at my workplace who spends the whole day with me every day for sometimes 5 days in a week and guess what we do we just draft documents even sends me senior counsel bring me that do me that imagine but that's the kind of privilege that has been brought to his uh to to his hands but you know why he does that he esteems me after the flesh you can imagine you if i'm working with you you wouldn't send me to bring you something you wouldn't push me to do something because you, you why you don't esteem me after the flesh but when the time is right he will realize who i am or he will regret it depending on the perspective that he picks of me you have to know who has god sent into your life the bible says and in the last days i will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge but the question is can you identify that man whom god has sent But if you esteem men after the flesh, Paul said, we esteemed men after the flesh. And do you know what you do when you esteem men after the flesh? You treat them like every other man. Look at people like Paul himself. He knew what he was talking about. That's why he stood up, got authority from um the teachers of the law and the Sanhedrin to go and persecute and kill and jail every spiritual person including Ananias if he was going to meet him he was going to throw him in jail yet that was the man who was going to introduce him to the faith and save him from eternal fire but because he perceived them after the flesh he was going to persecute them and throw them in jail in jail one time Jesus really wanted to 
he, he went to a, a Samaritan village called Sychar. And what he wanted was to be with them, to spend time with them. But they threw him away. Can you imagine? Then Jesus Christ cried over them and said, you have missed your hour of visitation. Why? Because you is, is, imagine the kind of miracles they've had, they would have had. Imagine the kind of fellowship they would have had with the Lord Jesus. But they esteemed him after the flesh. And so they missed him. And Jesus Christ said, he cried over them and said, you know, you have missed your hour of visitation. Three men were walking, brothers and sisters, three men were walking. Abraham looked at them and he said, there's something about these men he didn't know exactly. But he honored them. He said, there's something about these men. He, he wasn't told they are God. He just welcomed them. When he said, no, we want to go, they were strangers for crying out loud. He would have said, I'm going. Just it's, He would have said, okay, fine, go. But then they said, we have to go. He begged them, said, please eat something. Wash your feet. In other words, he didn't even know that they were spiritual people. He said, please, can we pray something? Maybe they looked hungry. Who knows? But he insisted they should eat something. He didn't esteem them after the flesh. He could tell there was something about them. There was a certain woman, you know, who did not have children for the longest period of time and she was growing old and her husband as well. But the Bible says when she noticed Elisha, she said, let's build an upstairs for this man to be staying. Because the Bible says, for she perceived that he was a holy man. No wonder she received, you know, she received um, her child because she perceived that this was, she didn't miss her hour of visitation. But then this spills over to the way we treat those people that God has called. Not esteeming them after the flesh. Let me give you an example. Do you remember when, um, when David, when David was attacked by, by Saul twice. Now, Saul was in the flesh. Right? Saul was in the flesh. He was upset. He was being tormented by an evil spirit. I mean, it doesn't get any, any, any flesher than that. <laughs> he was in the flesh. So, so here is, um, here is David. He has an opportunity to kill a man who's been after him, who wants to kill him and is chasing him to kill him to the extent that he goes to the cave of Adullam to hide there. But when he has an opportunity to kill him, he only, in his most vulnerable state, he only cuts part of his garment, part of his skirt, and he said, look, if I had an opportunity, I would have killed you. But why didn't he kill him? Because David said he knew that you touch not God's anointed and you don't do his prophet's harm. There was an error in Saul, but he still was on the throne. The anointing was still on him to be king. Therefore, he did not esteem him after even his own flesh. Hmm. He knew it. And even when someone came to tell him happy dirty, the man who was persecuting you so has died. He has fallen by the sword of the heathen. He said, were you not afraid to come and tell me that a king has died and you look excited? Guess what? He killed him. <laughs> David killed him for reporting. 
People who like, have you ever met people who like reporting bad news? Oh, I've got some bad news. Which one should I start with? Then they've got like a weak good news. <laughs> he killed him. I see, because he esteemed him not after the flesh. Are you following that? Do you remember when there was a prophet who died broke and left his family in debt? Then there were some creditors who say some creditors who said, We are going to sell your children. We're going to sell them so that we can make our profit. When they told Elisha, Elisha did not say, eh, this is what I've been telling you, prophets. You must have your own business. This is the problem with these men of God. You are serving God, but you don't have money. And you know, sometimes, sometimes I hear people, maybe you are speaking at a meeting, and I mean this with all humility. You are speaking at a meeting, then people say, the man I'm about to invite is an accomplished lawyer. So what? So what? You are esteeming me after the flesh. Are you going to pay attention to me because I'm a lawyer? Are you able to see in the spirit whether I'm struggling with an issue? How are you esteeming me? The fact that I've told you that I'm a pastor is enough whether I've got a grade 3 certificate, if there's any. As long as I've told you that I'm a man of God and you can listen to the word of God in me, that's what matters. Stop being impressed by people because of their qualification. Esteem not a man after the flesh. Some people are afraid and they are shaken by me simply because I'm a lawyer. Are you out of your Bible? That doesn't matter. You think that will matter if I stand before God? No, it doesn't matter. Esteem no man after the flesh. So when he was told, when he was told that the man of God and there was evidence to the fact, to attest to the fact that the man of God got a loan, was unable to pay, died out of it, and, and his children can be used as collateral. He didn't start teaching about how these men of God are just stealing money for the church. No. All he said, he ignored everything because he didn't esteem the prophet who died after the flesh. All he said was, where is what are we going to do? Then he said, okay, make this, sell the money, pay the debt, and live on the rest. Are you saying that's wisdom? Because it's not even in the place of um, Elisha to criticize a young prophet and sell him to the public. Even if he was, and let me tell you this, this is why what the Bible teaches, and this is so important, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, is that we must be able to deal with an internal matter. Let me give you an example. Somebody is borrowing money from everyone. Then maybe someone sues him. Our aim should not be, that person is actually wrong. They've, they've seen, they've done something wrong. Our aim is not to go and expose them because that can just bring disrepute, even as bad as it is. Our responsibility, firstly, as much as it is possible, unless it's, it's out of our hand, okay? Our responsibility is to deal with that matter internally. That's our first... The Bible actually teaches that we must deal with our matters as a church and not take them to the heathens in court. I'm talking about our matters. I'm not talking about the heathens. I'm talking about our matters. See that? And that's what 
Elijah was trying to do to handle this thing without making it escalate so that it goes elsewhere. And the name of the man of God, even in death, you know, is just, is disparaged. So, esteem no man after the flesh. Are you following me? Imagine this person has been, has done something that is wrong. Are we capable? Is there anyone among us who is wise enough? Do we have enough wisdom as a, as a church first before we just expose people and we sell them to the public as if we are unsaved? Are we able to handle the issues? Do we have enough wisdom and manpower to discipline these people, to deal with them within the confines of the church first? And let me tell you this, the, the whip to deal with the church is in the hands of Jesus, not the world. If the world is not careful, it may just end up pronouncing itself over matters it should keep quiet about. Okay? Look at Moses, for example. And I'm going somewhere with this. Look at Moses, for example. When Moses was... It was against the rules for a person who was Israelite to marry someone who was non-Israelite. Remember the issue that was there during Samson, which was the same issue which was there during Moses. You know? He married an Ethiopian woman, a black woman. That was just wrong. So when other people began to talk, guess what? When God came, what he, what he didn't say, God did not even look at the merits of the matter. What God said was, come here. Were you not afraid to talk about my servant Moses? So the issue with God was you were attacking his anointed. He said, were you not afraid? This thing is so consistent in the scriptures that we just can't ignore it and say, oh no, um, but what about this evil? It's too consistent. That's why if, if let's say you even have evidence that someone has done something wrong, sometimes the best, especially those who are in authority that God has called, sometimes the best you can do is keep quiet if you want and follow the person. But to begin pronouncing yourself and commenting, that's in the hands of God. Now, what I'm trying to show you is this, that you do not esteem any man after the flesh because you may lose what God wants you to benefit from that person or you may lose the direction that God has for you against that person because there are also people that you must avoid. But you must be able to pick that in the spirit because you are not esteeming every man after the flesh. I've given you so many biblical examples. Now, finally, even when... Oh, Magali Brondi, Magali Esteem no man after the flesh. You should know who are the people God has brought into my life. And this will also help you not just easily live people's lives. Sometimes I see how people just walk out of... Like there are some people who've walked out of my life. Now, obviously, I'm not saying I'm God or anything. But, you know, sometimes you can even tell what. But God brought us together. Eh? God wants us to be of help to this individual. But they, after like a small difference, you just jump out of someone's life. Giving, a, giving competition to a kangaroo. You just jump out of someone's life. Meanwhile, God was the one who was leading you. Even when you sat under that person, you don't quickly lose outreach. Don't quickly and write this down. Fight for relationships that you feel were initially godly. Don't quickly lose them. 
because you may lose something that God wants you to do in that relationship. Now, finally, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, 40 verse 41, Jesus Christ said, Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. And then he says, if you receive a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Not a prophecy. Mm. <laughs> I'll explain this in detail one of these days. Then he says, if you receive a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, so that means you have to discern what kind of person are you receiving. Now, remember that Pastor Daniel can be a prophet. Pastor Daniel can be a righteous man. And Pastor Daniel can also be a little one, a disciple. Or let me put it this way. Daniel can be a prophet. Daniel um, can be a righteous man. And Daniel can be a young disciple, depending on who. Or the same person in different capacities. Now, the nature of the reward that is going to be received is measured by your understanding of your discernment of the capacity in which I came. That was a mouthful. So you need to be able to discern in which capacity is this person coming. Sometimes it can even be your friend. Your friend can come in a prophet's dimension. Someone is giving you wisdom that is very godly and the spirit of God is on your friend. But you, you will just joke around with your friend every time. So you can't design God and you can miss God. Because remember, when we are dealing with the anointing, and this is one of the things I want to begin teaching you. What is the anointing? How can you function in the anointing? When you are dealing with the anointing, the anointing is sensitive. A person can even be kind to you, can be cracking jokes, but the anointing has got an intelligence of itself. Without honor, the, the anointing cannot function. Without faith, the anointing cannot function. Okay? This is how come Jesus Christ went to his own town. And then he, the Bible says he couldn't, because of their offense and unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty works except lay hands on a few people and get them healed. Why? Because in as much as Jesus may be willing, the anointing may not be willing. It's very possible. No wonder at one point Jesus Christ was going somewhere. And as he was walking... This one young lady decided, I'll touch him. Jesus did not give permission to his power to live. But when she touched him with a touch of faith and honor, the anointing left. Even Jesus felt drained. This is the only one time in the Bible when Jesus felt drained. Listen, some, sometimes, sometimes you need to know that when you're honoring a man, for example, you may not even need to be known by him. Sometimes people do things, they give, they want to be known, they serve, they want to be seen. No, 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 no. If you do it and we see it, you would have received your reward. Because the Bible says they pray long prayers so that they can be seen. And then it says in Matthew chapter 6, they have already received their reward. But when you pray, do it in secret and the Father who sees you in secret will, will reward you openly. And so what I'm trying to, to tell you is when you are serving and the anointing is there, the anointing, and this is so strange, but the anointing has got an intelligence of its own. You need to be aware of the way the realm of the spirit functions because you're not, when you are in a, in, in a setting like this, you are not just relating with things physically. Even your lifting of chairs, you're serving. There is a spirit watching. 
There is a, a spiritual resource or a spirit watching. It could be an angel. It could be the anointing. And these have got an intelligent, separate from even me. You can find that you are drawing from me and you are drawing from me even greater than the person who saved closer to me because the anointing is able to read your motive. This is why, listen, sometimes the closest of people are the ones who struggle to get the anointing. You can find I can be wanting shepherd to take over the church or to take over my mantle, but because he daddies me, daddies me. Meanwhile, there's a boy in Chisengalubafu, in Kwamfula district, who's been watching me on his WhatsApp, watching me on his Facebook, and he reveres the anointing. So I can live today and say I've retired. Shepherd will take over this ministry. But the manifestation of the grace I carried, you are seeing it in that district. Why? Because the anointing doesn't care. Mm. Anyways, I'll teach you about the anointing in detail. But these are some of the things you must know. So if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, the reward of the prophet is not determined by the prophet. The reward of the prophet is determined by the laws of the spirit, which demand that as long as you've received a person in that capacity, then automatically, even if the person did not want, even if the person did not plan, that reward will leave their bosom and come into your account. This is what is going to break your yoke. Not just taking selfies with people. So you need to know even your friend. When your friend is in which capacity, you need to know. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, it says, treating each other, uh, submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. This, when you know these things, then you are maturing in the spirit. I told you last time of how I had to go to apostle to pray for me. Not let's pray together. Pray for me. There's a difference. Pray for me and pray together. There's a difference. It means there's something I have seen in him. Our apostle Fred is way younger than me. He's like my young brother's age. But there's something I've seen in him that I know I need. Meanwhile, I also have people who are capable of being my parents, my fathers, who because they saw something in me, they allowed me to pray for them. Even Jesus saw something in John to the extent that when John said, no, let me not baptize you, instead you baptize me, Jesus refused. He said, sir, I know I am God, but you baptize me because if I don't get baptized by you, heavens will not open. So that capacity to know, do, do not esteem men according to the flesh. He said, you, you were born of both your parents. You, you were born of Zachariah and you were born of Elizabeth. Me, I was born of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus didn't say that. He said, I know, but you, I will get down. You will block my nose. You will do bigisha me in the waters of Jordan, which are very dirty. And then you will pull me out. Obedience. That capacity to discern. Who is who in your life? Who are you to help? Also, you people, when people come into your life, you must not just esteem men after the flesh. You must know, Lord, I may not have money, but I know you want me to help this person. You provide the means. You must know. Finally, if, if, when you are in ministry also, you must know what is the purpose of a person coming into your life. Young men, not every lady who comes for you to help, for you to help is for you to date. No matter how pretty she is, 
no matter how good looking the lady is or the man is i don't know some that's why timothy was warned timothy was told treat every man and every woman out of purity so the first thing you must have as you are dealing with people is treat them with purity and when it comes second timothy chapter 2 when it comes you begin you can begin from 22 when it comes to purity you must fight for it when it comes to purity don't think it will just fall upon you <laughs> oh you must fight for it you must make sure because purity can be a warfare issue someone can be standing off the chair going to collect a chair in church sir you're looking at how the jeans is properly fitting her in church then you suddenly notice she's pretty the bible says when it comes to lust it says flee he didn't say pray about it this one you don't pray you flee okay let me let me leave it for church i think i'll visit you when it comes to handling money, be, make sure you are faultless. Before God, you are faultless. You know you must tithe. You know you must partner and give offering. Stop giving your mind excuses to feed on so that you bruise your conscience and you just do the wrong thing. When it comes to money, be pure. When it comes to telling the truth, even if it's a small lie, maintain your integrity it's very key it's pivotal you must you must when it comes to integrity don't joke with your life but purity you must fight for it a lot of people good well-meaning people have fallen because of this so discern who is who but also remember that god does not make you people meet people by accident some some will be old mates. Esteem no man after the flesh. Hallelujah. Anyways, I just wanted to show you that.